following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Let's talk, but no politics okay. Proudly dedicates all episodes to the loving memory of Constance Chirac, who was one of the biggest supporters of the show. And we like to say thank you for everything that you have done. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk No Politics Okay here on the BICPP Radio Network. I'm your host, Andrew Lenz, coming to you every Sunday. And before we get into today's topic, here is a message from our sponsor. Beyond the edge of reality lies a story of ultimate conquest. A story of war and friendship. A story of a love that can never be. And a hatred that always was. And now, the most anticipated epic adventure of the year will never come to a theater near you. Final Fantasy VII. All right, so it is video game time, and that means we have back... Mr. Matt Johnson of one of the people that I just put into the category of co-host and host of many podcasts. Way too many. And yes, everybody, the champ is here. I am back. It has been a long time it's, since we have sat and talked video games. Yeah, because we did do one in December. We did not. No, it's, it was. I think last time we did one oh, was in November. What did we do in oh, November? You know, that's a great question. <laughs> that's a really great question. So I remember doing one with the headphones, with the with the the headset, that crappy headset that I had or I have. That you and it, that, that it worked really good for a little bit. Actually, I don't know if we did November. No, we did November. I know for a fact we did November. It was at the hated. I think that we just did the Hayden Christensen episode. Then I don't know if we did video games. No, we did that one, and now now you got me looking because this is ninety nine. So. I've got, this is the 99th episode. Uh, was it, it was arcades. Oh, we shoot. That's right. Arcade. It was. We talked about so the yeah. world of arcade. So yeah. It's been a little, little while. Been a little while. Yeah. But today we're bringing it back. To, we're bringing it back home in, in a way here. And we are talking about the strategy guide, the game strategy guide, that book that when you bought that RPG game, uh, yeah, RPG game or, you know, just, any type of game, there was always that book there, and they were like, Hey, you can get this book too. And you're like, How much is it? And it was like 10, 15 bucks. And you're like, I think I'm going to need this to beat the game. Uh, I love strategy guides. I really, I'm so elated that we get to talk about that. This is like one of those things you don't ever think about, or that wait, one of those little nuances you don't think you ever get to talk about. But my God, man, strategy guides were everything back in the day, back before the internet was super popular as it is now. Strategy guides were everything nowadays you can get a walkthrough you know you get an online walkthrough within a day there's always some some guy who's beaten who's beats the game in two hours he has a full walkthrough on ign or whatever and or cheat code central or some other thing like that strategy guides were everything back in the day that was my favorite thing to read like were strategy guides they were so cool they were so cool worth every single penny yeah because first it was the instruction booklet that was the must read. You read the instruction booklet from front to back. You knew all the bosses. 
or you knew all the bosses, you knew all the enemies, you knew all the weapons you could get, you knew how to do all the moves. And then the strategy guide kicked in, and that became my bathroom reading material. So you get so far into a game, and then that way you're like, okay, well, let me skip ahead to see where I can get here and and see what's going to go on here. So Because I'm one of those guys where I don't like to be surprised all the time. So that was one of the great things. And also, I got to say, it was a lot better because you mentioned, you know, online stuff. I know game FAQs was, I think, was the first site that I ever got codes or anything from. Yeah. And I got Chrono Cross one year for Christmas. And I was like, I don't need no strategy guide. I'm just going to, you know, print out this whole entire walkthrough. Yeah, it was like 500 pages. My mom's yelling at me because I'm wasting printer paper. I'm wasting ink and ink's not cheap. So... The strategy guide, that's where I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to spend the, you know, 10 to $15 and get the get the strategy guide. Oh, man, it was. Yeah, it was so worth it. And right, like the printing stuff. My dad beat the crap out of me one day. OK, like not like beat the crap out of me, but figuratively, uh, he figuratively he took the belt off when he seen that I, I printed off. 75 pages of of smackdown here comes the pain creator like wrestler guides and stuff like that you can't just you just can't do that <laughs> and that was back in the day when the, you know dial up it's not the internet wasn't as easily accessible as today it's dial up and if you know if you sit on the computer and just go back you can't just go back to the computer whenever you want because it take up the phone line um he was big man so that's a lot of ink too all right it's a lot of ink but yeah these strategy guys were just great they were so so convenient um I used to love the displays. We used to go to EB. It was EB Games in the Boulevard Mall, I think it was. And they had like a nice bookshelf just filled with strategy guides. And I just wanted to look through them. Even if you didn't own the game, like there's some instances where I bought some with limited money. And I I didn't own the game, but I just bought it because they were cool to read. And they had nice pictures and stuff and really like visually pleasing, you know, to to just read. It was really, like I said, really good reading material. What was your first strategy guide or first experience where you're like, this is the most amazing thing in the world that I can not wander around in a game for hours trying to figure out what's going on next? Oh, man. Old Faithful. I know I reference these a lot in these episodes, but it's Final Fantasy VII was the very first strategy guide. It was an unofficial one, too. So it wasn't an official colorful one. It was like, you know, how do, how do I describe this? It was just it was very cheaply made. Um, but yeah, it was an unofficial strategy guide, no pictures. Somebody drew like this art character in it. And, you know, it, now I want it. I like, I'm, I'm going to go, like, I just found like Final Fantasy VIII, which is, you know, another big one that I had. And we taped the crap out of that thing because we, uh, we loved those strategy guys were so cool. But Final Fantasy VII was the very first one because, you know, there was a lot of, there's a lot of extra stuff in those games. You know, there's a lot of extra stuff in a lot of video games. And at that time, your best bet to find those extra things were to buy a strategy guide, right? Final Fantasy games have so much side content, so many mini quests to get the full experience of the game, you know, and we didn't grow up with a computer. We didn't get our first computer, I think, until 2001. So it was a little while, you know, with internet and and all that stuff. It was 2001 when we got our first home computer. So the strategy guy just made things, you know, super, I guess, simple. You got the full game experience, you know. It's always cool to find hidden stuff and things every now and then. but, But yeah, to get the full experience of a video game back then, strategy guides were the way to go. And mine was Chrono... 
I love the Chrono like series there, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. Mine was Chrono Trigger, and my friend had it for Super Nintendo, and he brought it over, and I was like, wow, this game is awesome. Do you mind if I borrow it? He said, yeah, and he was like, you're going to need this. And he handed me the strategy guide, and I'm like, what is this giant book? Like I said, before this time, it was you wandered around, and the only thing strategy guide like was if you had a subscription to Nintendo Power. So right. <clears throat> he gives he gives me this, and I'm like, this makes everything so much easier when it's like, go to the third thing here. You open up the books in this sequence. You do this. And I'm like, this is so much easier than anything else. Because like I mentioned before, before that, the most I had was uh, a friend of mine or, fa- you know, family friends. We go to their house and uh, the guy, Marty, he would sit there and he would play Nintendo constantly. If you were quiet, you got to sit there and watch him. But he was so into it where there was no strategy, guys. He actually drew the dungeon maps for Zelda. Really? On graph paper, drew the Zelda maps. He videotaped himself playing Metroid because he couldn't make a jump. So he was trying to see how far he could get to to a certain spot that he needed to, you know, where he needed to stop so he could make that jump over. So those were like the first time I've ever seen anybody ever use any strategy guides or anything like that. But it was all homemade. Right. And now it's like I said, Brady, what was it? Brady Games seemed to have like the cornerstone on it. Yes, yeah, that's that's who made all uh, the Final Fantasy ones, Jack and Daxter. There, there was, I mean, yeah, there was no issue at all getting, uh, you know, without every every time he's found a strategy guide, that their name was pretty much the official ones, not the unofficial yeah. ones, but the official ones were always Brady Games, always Brady Games. Because I just noticed that too, because I. When I got, what was it, X-Men Legends 2, and then I bought Marvel Ultimate Alliance. That was the great thing, too, is when I got Marvel Ultimate Alliance, I started to experience a little bit more where how great it was, the way that it could tell you what teams to combine. You know, there you could do the Fantastic Four, you can do the X-Men, but those were boring. But, hey, match this guy with this guy and this guy with this guy, and you're going to get this team, and then it would say the name. Like, I can't remember it completely what they were. Oh, there was a ton. Of, there, was a, there was a ton. You're, you're, and you get little different little bonuses and stuff, which is pretty neat. Like the Marvel Knights, if you did like Venom, Ghost Rider, it just, but I know exactly what you mean. You know, but that stuff you didn't know about. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty neat neat little little features just, just how much you learn i used to love let's see i had one for digimon world 2 okay all right and digimon worlds was it was an interesting take on the digimon video games but uh but yeah for for me like i, I was always so i was always just stuck i always like hit this one part where i just could not go any further and um you know for, for me it was just really cool to see what lied what lied ahead the combo stuff is pretty nice or you know what i mean or, or here's a here's a way to catch you know this digimon right that you didn't know you just thought you had to fight him and let him go like there's a one part where you got to fight him uh it was a metal gray mom but if you did something in a certain way you could catch this thing and the strategy i told you how to do it and for me who had no internet access back then that was you know it's very very helpful very very helpful i love the digimon world games too because of that strategy guide it's so expensive to find that game too oh my god i had that <sighs> game and i was so disappointed because <laughs> it wasn't what i thought from the cartoon no it was not it was like final fantasy meets pokemon but you like your your starter po- your starter digimon would like love you would cap off like you couldn't get any more experience points it was so silly. It was just a very extra complicated way of, of 
doing a game. I one thing I one strategy guide I wish I still had because I know I could get some like you said, like price wise and just for the nostalgic value, is I had the original Pokemon red and blue. Oh. I I had that and I don't even know what happened to it. I think I gave it to like my cousin who started playing Pokemon. I gotta Google this. And but I had that and Pokemon was just I probably already told the story a million times. It was just a silly game and then I got addicted to it. I ended up getting both Pokemon red and blue and and there was, you know, the strategy guide. So I was like, I need the strategy guide too. And I got to learn so much more. And it kind of helped because that's another one of those games where you could only catch this certain type of Pokemon in this game, this certain type of Pokemon in that game. You, right. you, you learn to trade because I was like, man, I want to, I want to Mudchamp so bad. Well, you got to trade. You got to do this. You got to do that and everything else. So if it wasn't for that, I would have probably thought kind of the same thing with the Digimon World one. I would have just thought it was some stupid game. I hate this. I can't get all the Pokemon because how do I even do this? But I could see where you like the Digimon World game because you had the strategy guide where me, I just wandered around and was like, this is stupid. Plus, you know, the the big thing for that one was like, because I got stuck. Like there was legit a part there where I just couldn't go any further. My thing wouldn't work. Um, I just couldn't understand. I love to take another crack at it again, but, um, but like, my favorite aspect of a lot of the fighting, the, the, the RPG games was you look in the back and have a list of all the different stuff. So for Digimon, for example, you have a list of all the Digimon that you can capture, that you can breed, you can get. And it's like, whoa, there's a lot of different Digimon that never made the TV show, never had a Digimon card, none of that. That was like the coolest thing for me is to be able to see those things for Final Fantasy's sake. Final Fantasy, again, some of my favorite strategy guys to read. In the back of the book was the Bestiary. Oh, that's so cool. That's a great game, too. Great game. X-Men Legends 2 is what he's holding up. Um, But for Final Fantasy, you have the, the, the Bestiary, or I think that's how you pronounce it, where it had every single characters every single thing that you could fight every single boss every single um monster that you could fight in the game it would give you its stats it would give you what its weakness and all you do is flip to that and it gives you all the answers it was just cool to look through and read you know what's their rough you know how many experience points they give out when you defeat that that sort of stuff and you know that's what sold that's what sold strategy guides for me is that all that information compiled officially you know into one quick handbook you know, it just yeah, again the hidden the hidden bosses. Like, wow, I didn't I didn't see this character in my first playthrough. Let me let me try it again and go try and find out how to fight it. And um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I I'm really like want to start a strategy guide collection. That's I think that's gonna be my thing going forward. Is just trying just finding these old strategy guides. Um, I mean, there was games I I didn't need it for, but I just bought it just because it was because it was there. I love my favorite one other than the Marvel. Well, no, even over the Marvel Ultimate Alliance one is the Chrono Cross one because there are so many characters scattered all over that game. And when you went through it, it gave you a backstory of each and every character. Mm -hmm. And it was like, what world do you get them in? But this is why they're this way. I remember there's a mushroom guy called Fun Guy. Get the pun there. 
but it, you know, it totally how he became a mushroom and things, things like that. And why in this world, he was a playable character. You know, you could get him as a playable character, but in the other world you couldn't. And I would, I always thought that was great because you felt a little bit closer to the player instead of just, or to the character instead of just playing the game and being, I'm going to be this guy and this guy and this guy because they're cool. But these guys right here, I kind of felt a connection to them as well. Yeah. No, without a doubt. Yeah. The biographies and, and, and yeah, learning just, you know, how to like level up these characters. What, what, what's the best way to get them maxed out stats and stuff that, that all just goes such a long way. When, when I'm playing a game, I want the full experience. I want to be immersed in, in the, uh, but, but I want to be immersed in the, like the lore and the culture of it all. Right. I want to, I want to, I just want to know everything about this thing. And that's going to help me enjoy the game experience a lot more, you know, and, and that's what strategy guides give you. You know, you get a taste of it in the, in the playing manual that comes with the respective games. But man, the strategy guide really opens that sucker up as far as information goes. Like, uh, I know we talk about it in the beginning with Madden. Like, I could never understood why you needed a Madden strategy guide. And you said you had one. I had. Was it actually helpful? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I got to think, too, because I wasn't like super in like super in-depth football knowledge back then. But it, I get the my dad bought the Madden 03 strategy guide. I don't know why. But, you know, it, it was I guess it was kind of in the same you view it in the same light as, say, a like a draft book, like a fantasy football draft book. You kind of look at it that way. Your guy you know, who's on the roster, who, what their stats are like, what the team's plays were, because they actually try to diversify that a little bit back then. Um, there was a little bit more purpose, poison purpose to having a strategy guide back then. And plus all the extra game modes to help, I think, sell that. But yeah. um, I think now if I look back at it, I would find I would find a little bit more value to, uh, you know, to a to a, a Madden strategy guide or any kind of sports game strategy guide. But uh, it, it is one of the, the, the weird ones. I feel like the most important, you know, game type that you could use a strategy guide for are an open world adventure. You know what I mean? Like, like I used to see ones for like fighting games all the time. Yeah. I'm like, really? Like, I get it. I mean, be, I mean, it's something I would probably pick up for like a Mortal Kombat and just read character bios and their weapon like I, I for their moves or fatalities stuff like that but man the grand scheme of things it's a one on it's a one-on-one fighting game what do you really really truly need a strategy guide for at that point if you buy one it's it's more so for reading just reading general reading purposes or moves but most of that stuff was in the instruction manual anyways typically you're right right but yeah i mean i used to have a whole I had a whole herd of them. We had a we had a little book, a mini bookshelf by our basement TV. Um, that's where we kept all our video game stuff. And oh, Princey, I see you. Um, <laughs> but that's where that's where we used to keep them. We had a whole stack of them in there, and uh, yeah, just just used to have them just ready on the go. And it was neat. We had one for every single Final Fantasy game that we had. Um, I bought one for the second Marvel versus uh, or Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I had a one for Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith game, the Madden one, Digimon. Another one. I know I had other ones. Damn, I can't remember. My I used to read my uncles used to have the Tomb Raider ones. Oh, and those are those are pretty cool. He had a couple for the Tomb Raider ones. I had never played like I only played a demo of Tomb Raider, but to be able to kind of run through that and and read about it was like pretty dang cool. Pretty dang yeah. cool. Because like you said, it kind of gave you a preview of the game also. Yeah. What to expect, what to come, 
what the game is all about. The Tomb Raider one was neat, though, too. It was like a compilation one. So it had, like, strategy guides for, like, three of the Tomb Raider games, like, within that book. It was pretty cool how they did that. Might have been for the trilogy or some kind of compilation release or something. I, I'm not entirely certain, but, um, you know, but it, it was cool that they put something like that out there. What do you do now for your video game questions? What is the big? It's it's Google. And yeah, and I, I actually I think I hate it. I, I hate it. Like deep down, I hate that it's so easily accessible. For example, for example, um, you know, I went to or Resident Evil 2, the remake that came out three years ago, literally this, 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 this weekend, three years ago. Um, you know, there's little, there's little things. There's like, there's, uh, like you can open up lockers and stuff for extra weapons or some kind of like an extra pack. So you can hold more stuff, you know, throughout the game. And instead of taking the time, which could have been time consuming to actually like look through, to actually look through and, and find the notes and find what each of the passwords were and how to, how to open these things up, I just Google searched it. And like I, I was, I felt like I was cheating myself out of an, out of an experience, you know? Um, and, and I, it, like back then it was like, okay, either you try to figure it out yourself, which could get frustrating at times, but when you finally do it, you, you feel like you accomplished something or you go and buy the strategy guide. You know, online is obviously it's free, it's more convenient, but I still just feel like I'm cheating myself out of the, out of the overall experience. And, you know, and, that's basically, I mean, with the way, the direction that video games have gone over in the last, you know, last decade, decade and a half, it's, you know, that's kind of the new norm. There's, there's no, there's no going away from it, but, um, but I definitely, definitely, definitely like, yeah, I, I miss being like the books, just being able to pick up the books. They just, I love physical media. And that's, that was one of my favorite. You know what I mean? It's easy. Every, we're on our phones all the time, but man, if I'm going to the bathroom or I'm like chilling in a bath, like just sitting there squeezing my love handles into a bathtub and running run the water. I want to pick up a book and read it and enjoy it. And, and that's, and just get lost in it. And man, I used to just get lost for hours reading these things. Like, like you pointed out all the stuff with the bosses. And like I said, with the Chrono Cross, the backstory between each, you know, about each character, it gets lost when you're looking on Google or you see somebody on YouTube that does it as well, you know, yeah. going, through, going through it all. Oh, I hate watching other people play games. Ugh. There is a guy. Okay, there is a guy. He's not that bad. I kind of enjoy him. And his channel is called You Can Beat Video Games, where he does, okay. a, lot of, where he does a lot of, doesn't do the newer stuff. It's a lot of older stuff. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, of that stuff. And, kind of, and he gives you a backstory of, of the video game before okay. he gets into how to beat the video game but it's it's a little bit easier that way than it is watching you know a guy that's just running around and you got to drag your finger back if you watch it on your phone that i understand gets annoying other side of just reading it and having it and having all that extra little pieces that you're missing from you know what you would have got out of a strategy guide yeah like eating cake with no frosting right it's it, it it's cool it's cake but I like I want some frosting on there, please, and give me that little extra bit. <laughs> no, I I hundred percent agree. Yeah, it's you know your show deals a lot in, in nostalgia. This this, mm-hmm. this this podcast deals a lot in nostalgia in those feel good things, and you know I, mean, I don't have like a bad memory 
around picking up a strategy guide and reading it. I think that's the most important piece to, you know, to really bring up here is that, man, if, if, like, if you're walking around in a resale store and you see like an old strategy guide from a game you played years ago, like the memories that just, just come with it, right? The, the good memories that, that, that come from just being around that thing and reading it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until you just, you just, you just can't no more. Like you said, tape it. Yeah, pretty much. The tape and tape and tape. Pretty much. And, um, you know, what? that's best best thing in the world. Uh, literally, one of my, one of the those lost aspects of video gaming that's never coming back. No. I don't even know. I, they probably definitely don't do, they definitely don't do strategy guides anymore. I rarely see them. A lot of the stuff that they release in, co- and, uh, you know, with video games now is a lot of just extra content, you know, you know, it's just, just, it's not definitely not a strategy guide. What what they what they do now? All that stuff is online. They don't even release instruction booklets anymore. No, they don't. So in in a way, it like you said, it's it's almost like a waste. They might look at it as a waste of material and how can i get the most out of this game and obviously they're definitely going to get it because they don't have to do it you have to make that little booklet you can just make it digital everything's digital and like you said video games are digital now like mostly digital now so it's like why you know if you're a video game company which you know video game designing and all that stuff it's a very expensive process that's a whole conversation for another day as far as what it costs to to really make a video game Mm -hmm. um you might as well cut corners when you can scratch it go digital that's you know cut corners save, save money on production and, and all that stuff and well yeah, there's just everything's nothing. digital now if you can put it on your ipad your phone right put it on and your computer it's easier that way exactly but that's i think for for my generation for our generation excuse yeah. me you're yours and I, I'm, I'm in there i'm in there <laughs> that's that's why that's why the strategy guides are so important though that's why it's like the, the nostalgia of seeing one is so cool you know what i mean if if like one of your kids walked by a strategy guide would they would they care really i mean i mean obviously their 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 video games are a lot different than than ours were growing up yeah but it's just like you know it it, it doesn't have the same effect on them, them because they didn't grow up with strategy guides, you know, and it wasn't this, this, this piece of media, this piece of art that it's art, in my opinion, that, you know, was there. And then all of a sudden it wasn't because it wasn't convenient. You know, they, they've lived an entire life without strategy guides. So for us, though, it just, it's, it's, it's really neat. Um, You know, it's just cool to look back and, and just see, you know, it's like a time capsule in a sense. Yeah. I was never big into reading books as a kid but when it came to a comic book an instruction manual or a strategy guide or you know a nintendo power magazine or something like that i don't think i would ever really read if it wasn't for for those because that's what i was into right i mean i used to love reading novels but i i i certainly agree when you can you know when you can read about something that you actually enjoy instead of being forced to read the giver or or some something uh, the the catcher in the ride you know what i mean just like yeah. being told to read stuff. if you can openly read something that you care about which a lot of people in our generation is video games it it, it makes the reading experience fun and I, I don't think it should ever be like shamed oh you read video game books that shouldn't count as reading material no it, sh- it definitely should because i relate to this um you know i, I relate to this and i enjoy it a lot that's that was the thrill that was definitely the thrill it, it's a good comparison with the comic book thing too because that's another thing that a lot of people just kind of shame um 
people who read comic books, you know, as as their main way of reading material. Um, yeah, strategy. They were very very beneficial in that regard. I used to bring mine to school all the time. What's that? I got a study hall. I'm gonna go read. I'm gonna go read the strategy guy. Just read it for the sake of doing it. Kill some time. Um, once we got a break, we got like a thirty minute break, snack break. I'm gonna read a strategy guy. I'm waiting for the bus or my parents to come pick me up. Very strategy guy. Just pull it out and you know just just sit there and read and, and it's you know it, and it's really cool too because people will see what you're reading, mm. right? And you know you actually make some connections in that regard. Yeah, that What's, is. That's another important thing too. If you know, because when I was growing up in elementary school, I'm not going to say video games were taboo, but if you like outside of Pokemon and maybe a couple other games, maybe Mario, that was it. You know, I I made a lot of cool connections with people talking about Final Fantasy that I had no idea. I thought I was the only person in the world who played Final Fantasy games. Then I had no idea how big, how massive they like their audience was. When I was in like third, fourth, fifth grade, you really have no idea. Um, it just seems like this this weird, strange, you know, thing that I'm playing this game and enjoying it as much as I do. But um, but that was that was another really important thing for me, you know, is to connect with people to video games and strategy guides were a way to kind of bring video game and video game conversations to to, to the school, to to the classroom. Yeah, you made a great point there with the connections of you know sitting there reading it and somebody comes up to you and says, "Oh, you play that," and you can say, "Yeah," and then you kind of made that friend or, you know, acquaintance of that way and somebody to kind of almost bounce ideas off video game wise, which is always a cool thing as a kid as well. Yeah, no, it, it, it certainly was, you know, you walk by and or somebody walks by, Oh, what's that? You play crash bandicoot. That's cool. Let's talk about it. Strategy guide for that. Yeah, I'm sure they did. They made it. Forever. They, they honestly might. Cause honestly, you think about those early games. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> They, Honestly, I, those early games, though, they were pretty. There was a lot of very hidden stuff. I have never literally sat down to play a Crash Bandicoot game. I've oh. played, I've played it, but we're talking store demo. Yeah, they, hey, they have, they have strategy guides for the old, the older ones. Not all of them. No, they do. Oh, damn, they're going for a lot too. Yeah, I could imagine all that stuff. What was it? The one that I was telling you about at the Nostalgic Nerd was. Uh, what was it? Final Fantasy VII was almost seventy bucks, like fifty, seventy bucks. I'm like, oh, because you were like, hey, pick me up one. And yeah, I'm, like, oh, I'm gonna get a Final Fantasy VII, and then he said the price, and I'm like, I like Matt, but my kids need to eat. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's gonna get. I think I got you what Final Fantasy nine ten. Yeah, it was ten. ten it was only ten. Like ten. it was like ten. It was real cheap too. Yeah, it real cheap. So ten bucks. I was like, okay. I, that's ten dollars worth, but <laughs> that's completely fair. That's if you ask my wife, that's all I'm worth too. So I get it, I get it. But but yeah, that was the thrill. That that was the absolute thrill. That uh, I yeah, just found a whole bunch on Amazon. Did you? Yeah, like uh, Diablo two. Oh, yeah. See, those are really good ones where you have to have strategy. That was one thing I never played Diablo, but I had a friend in. Middle school, I sit next to him in Mrs. Bergeron's sixth grade science class for the characters at LaSalle Middle. Boom. Remember that one. But he played Diablo, but he bought a strategy guide so we can run through Diablo. And Diablo is a massive game. That is. Diablo 2. It was a massive game. And uh, I was like, I was enamored by it. I mean, I, I wasn't into PC gaming at that time. Still aren't. Still, I'm still not. But that was a big thing. And I was like, wow, this is this seems really cool. And I got to live a little bit vicariously through him reading a strategy guide about Diablo 2. We got, here's another, Tony Hawk Pro Skaters 2. 
I do remember seeing those all the time. I thought that was weird, but I did have a friend that actually had a Tony Hawk's guide. I just love it. I just typed in like Brady Games and it just came up with all these strategy guides. Now Brady Games is with somebody else I see. Here's this is one I would like to read. Blockbuster Secret Codes of 1998. Mm. That sounds like a that I would read that. I would read that. Or those old the old Game Shark books. Remember yeah. the, the old cheat code the yeah the old cheat code books that they used to sell was that was that they used to sell them at Blockbuster. I don't know if it was an official Blockbuster merchandise item, but well, there used to be tapes, like VHS tapes of like Nintendo Secrets. Go check out this. Or there would be, like you said, unofficial stuff where it was like the secrets of Nintendo games. It'd be a book or a tape. I remember going There's, to Blockbuster and there was a little, it was a mini, like, I don't know, it was probably about an inch, inch and a half thick. And what they would do is every quarter or every like year, they'd add a bunch of cheat codes for video games. So you buy this thing and you have access to cheat codes for thousands of, literally thousands of video games dating back in time. And that was, you know, I, I not so much a strategy guy, but it was, it was a cool, I, I still kind of remember it. I used to have like, these very bright neon colors and stuff with it. And, um, but yeah, I do, I do remember those. Yeah, that was always the, because other than like Nintendo Power, and then we had Game Genie, but that was more cheap. That was like, yeah, get like 99 lives and Super Mario Brothers 3. Right. Was it anything crazy? I do want to find it for Final Fantasy VIII because you can actually, there's certain characters you can only play certain segments of the story with. And one of my favorite characters is like that. So if you get a Game Genie or a Game Shark and use it for Final Fantasy VIII, you can actually play as them the full like game. Which is, I, I love that idea. So that's like one thing I've been dying to do for like 20 something years now is find a way to get a game, to get a, a PS1 game shark and, and be able to pull that off. But I think that, I think we covered everything. I think so too. Wonderful world of strategy guides. Definitely a lost nostalgic art. And once again, I'd like to thank you for joining me for video games, video game talk this month. And here's your chance to plug anything you want to plug. Uh, as just as I usually do, the network, bicbp-radio.com. I'll keep it real simple for you. Um, the network is the home to many, many podcasts. We actually have quite a few more, uh, debuting in the coming weeks. Uh, and, oh, I guess and months too. We have a lot, we have at least four new shows that are getting ready to, uh, fire up and, and get going. So check us out. Something for everybody. That's what we like to say. Um, you know, we have a w- nice wide variety of, of podcasts on our network. Yes. And please check out new episodes of Let's Talk With No Politics OK every Sunday on the BICBP Radio Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Go over to the Facebook page for Let's Talk With No Politics OK for great content, as well as the YouTube channel for Let's Plays, tierings, and a bunch of other videos as well. And with that being said, good morning, good afternoon, and good night.